Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey everybody and welcome to the Trek Culture Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Sean Ferrick. I am Paul Sutherland. Who is also lovely. <laughs> we are joined this week by our special guest, the very lovely Ian Whittington. Ian, thank you so much for joining us this week. Thanks for having me. Hi guys. Hey Ian. Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming. We're going to go through, uh, as you're hopefully used to by now, we're going to go through the main question of the episode, which is the burn. Is that it? And then we'll go into news and our lovely secret cargo bay 101. But very quickly, guys, how are you all? Did you enjoy your Christmas? Good Christmas. Uh, good episode to watch right before Christmas, I thought. Yeah, I was hoping for a little bit more snow, but it's fine. You can't have you can't. There was a lot going on on that planet. You had the Ghost of Christmas Future, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's true. Actually, yeah, you really did. <laughs> Wait, what episode are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the wispy, the wispy thing definitely looks like the Ghost of Christmas Future from the Muppets. Got it. Okay. Yeah, I mean that's like three episodes in a row with snow. That's very true. Yeah, yeah. So you've had enough, Ian. Basically, is what Paulie's saying to you there. Of, of Discovery or Snow? <laughs> of, no, of, of Christmas? Yeah, I'm, I've, in, I've enjoyed Christmas. I'm glad we can kind of, yeah, m- move on and get into 2021. I hear that. But, Ian, just real quick, just before we go on, who are you? I am... That is a bold question. Um, I am <laughs> just a big old Star Trek nerd. Been watching it since I was literally in the womb. So it, I think my heartbeat sounds like a warp core more than anything else. Um, so yeah, just a massive Star Trek nerd. We've met a couple of times, Sean. Um, and yeah, get me get me on on the internet to talk about Star Trek, and I'm happy. Okay, so uh, Sukal, right? Formerly known as the Citadel. What did uh, Ian? I'll start with you. What did you think of the episode? I oh Matt, I was gonna, I liked it, but that even sounds loaded. I really it's like. So, <laughs> I felt like the Mirror Universe episodes put a massive handbrake on the show and just stopped it dead in its tracks. So it took me a little bit to get back into kind of where we are, 
what's happening in this nebula, why is Saru so upset? But on the whole, I really like the episode. Um, I think you summed up really well with the burn, is that it? Question mark. I feel like there's got to be something more there. Hasn't there? So we're just gonna go right into the conversation about the burn. No, 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 we're not. We're not. It's fine. It's fine. But you can't. Yeah, you can't talk about the episode and not not think. Hmm, that's odd. I mean, Sean, you know, you've had a recurring uh, refrain about the burn. What was that? I don't know what you're talking about. Um, oh, I, I, I started to get annoyed at myself for how much I was getting annoyed about how they were dragging out the burn. And now that we know what the burn is. I both feel vindicated and also frustrated because it's absolutely fine to lengthen a story, even if I felt they were they were padding it out. Now that I know they were padding it out, I don't know, I almost feel like if you'd had some sort of revelation that made it worth it, I would have been like, hey, listen, come on. I'm not the one writing the show, so I'm just a, a lowly internet person uh, who is doing his best, but Whatever way I look at it, it was very contrived. Very, very contrived. And of all of the species in all of the galaxy, it was a Kelpian. Well, this is uh, following Discovery's pattern of personalizing everything, making everything extremely relevant to the characters. Not just that it is an important story, but it's something that deeply affects them on a personal level. But I think... I don't want to, like, jump to conclusions here. Um, I, I'm remembering the episode, I think it's called The Red Angel, last season, where, you know, after uh, the crew discovers that, hey, the Red Angel is Michael, it turns out that it's Dr. Gabriel Burnham, Michael's mother. Um, you know, it seemed like that was, like, the, the big revelation, and then we got that twist. So I'm kind of maybe expecting that Sukal is an element of the burn or part of that uh story but like a smaller part of a larger story about the burn yeah i really hope so um i hope there's more to it because i get that the the whole kind of point of discovery is you've got this long arc that takes an entire the entire series to resolve but this man it's been a really good series and this feels like an anticlimax, doesn't it this you kind of wanted it to be the romulans or you wanted it to be it wouldn't. It would never be the Borg, but you you want something to grab onto, and it being a lonely Kelpian that throws a fit and blows up all of the dilithium in the universe kind of feels a bit okay. Cool. That's weird. I think that yeah, and I think that that's the the fault of the writers for inflating the burn to be such an issue to make it such a huge mystery, and then potentially have it you know solve in such like low stakes, such a small scale, um, that just kind of like deflates everything. And it's only because they put such an emphasis on it all season. If they had just left it alone and then returned to it and said, oh, here's what the burn really was. You know, like the beginning of the season, they said all dilithium ignited or, or you know, I, I forget exactly how Book phrased it. Um, and Sean, I remember your ups and downs. You're like, oh, like, that's it. They told us what the burn is. They're not going to tease us all season about what it was. I thought that, that that you were right, for one, and that that was, like, good background for the story that didn't need much more exploration. But they kept at it. Every episode, what's the burn, what's the burn, even though we kind of already knew what the burn was, and now we're here, and 
they're saying this is the burn, Sukal is the burn, and that's a disappointment. I, I'm still expecting another shoe to drop, though. You are Sorry, you're yeah. absolutely right, because this was a mystery that I didn't necessarily need solving. It, the, the interesting bit is that you're in a future where dilithium doesn't exist. How has that affected the Federation? How does culture exist now? That's the show that I want to see. To be honest, the burn could have been Q, and that's just as satisfying. I, I didn't need that mystery necessarily. Yeah, and I think another weak element of this season, I'm sorry to, to be you know so down on season three, the general consensus has been that it's the best season of Discovery, I think that second season so far, but I think if the Emerald Chain hadn't been quite so lame, uh, you know, if there was a yeah. bigger bad... Yeah, no, I'd have to agree. Um, you know, that might have like elevated the season, but uh, the Emerald Chain continues to feel like the like henchmen before we get to the big bad and if we're taking Sukal the episode at face value then no that the emerald chain is are the villains and Yay. you know <laughs> it, it's, it's, it doesn't feel like anything new does it it's great it's the orions again like where's their character development over the last 1000 years they're still doing exactly the same stuff they were doing before yeah, though I will say, um, and Sean, I'll let you get a nope, word in don't here let in a second. <laughs> um, I will say that when the uh, Emerald Chain started to board the ship at the end of the episode, uh, I remembered that it's not just Orion's, that it's not just Osira and a couple of like thugs. She's got her own little federation kind of going with Andorians and like unnamed aliens, and it looked like maybe even some humans or like human like mercenaries. You know, who saved the production money. Uh, <laughs> Some Cardassians as well. Like, give me a ship of Cardassians. That's what I want. Uh, yeah, you know, some Cardassians would have been much more interesting than Orion, you know, uh, big bads. But, I mean, that's just nitpicky. Uh, god, my god. You guys just profiling Cardassians is always going to be the bad guys. My god. <laughs> much like Star Trek has done with the Orions. Yeah, uh, they don't have a chance, yeah. do they? Um, and I know a lot has been said. Well, you know. uh, sorry, boy. A, a lot. <laughs> I'm speaking. <laughs> no. Quite <laughs> <laughs> down, Sean. You've been dominating this podcast. Absolutely fair. Absolutely. Fair. <laughs> no. One thing that I just have to say about uh, when you said, uh, Paul, like if the Emerald Train hadn't been so lame, and I mean they are, but and I feel bad saying this, but they look like, let's say, the founders five years on, and the, all they've learned how to do is turn green. That's kind of the faces we're, we're looking at. And I, I, I get it, it's a one-piece prosthetic, and it was, a, it was a choice, is what it was. It yeah. was a choice. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> um, whereas I love the Andorians. I, I thought it looked better this week. Sorry. Oh, sorry, that was just the end of that one. What, what, what were you saying there? I was just saying that I thought, I thought that Osiris looked more convincing this week. I agree. Um, I'm not sure if that was photography or the makeup was improved, but uh, the like perfect sculpted face... That they're for some reason giving these actors. It's weird, isn't it? They're completely disguising these actors. The, I can't remember the name of it, but the the her sidekick, the man, I can't remember his name, but he was like yeah. a Kendall, wasn't he? Just a green Kendall, just completely plastic. And have you seen that actor? Yeah, totally different. Doesn't look he is he bald? I think. He yeah, is, he yeah. looks nothing like him. It's bizarre. They found a Beatles wig and uh, and a plastic <laughs> and threw it on the poor guy. Um I I mean, right, to be fair, the, the my my thoughts on the burn, I would have been, I think, happy if it was just a natural disaster. 
I, I would have liked that to be the twist. It was a natural disaster, and it, you know, the the point of the burn was this is what happens in the Alpha Quadrant when basically that comfort is stripped away. I'm actually thinking back to Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the Siege of AR-558, and Quark gives that amazing speech about humans are the friendliest people in the galaxy until you take away the replicators, you take away their sonic showers, and they become worse than Klingons. And I think that would be a really clever way to explore that. But, Paul, as you said, they've put so much weight on this revelation of the burn. One is they wrote themselves into a corner. Now, to be absolutely fair, there's two episodes to go, so this may yet turn around and, you know, I, I'm I'm looking forward to taking my criticisms back if they stick the landing. But if this is the landing, they didn't stick the landing. Yeah. I mean, this is almost certainly not the, the landing. And, you know, this show, at least last season... It set a pattern of, of, of twists and mystery storytelling uh, and revelations at the end of the season. So I, I really do think that there's, there, there's more to uncover about the Burn and the Emerald Chain and maybe even the Federation. I still don't trust Admiral Vance. No. Nope. <laughs> you know, like, I love him. He's, like, such He's a, awesome, like, a supportive... No, nope, don't trust him. No. John, I... Jumping. This is, I suppose, this kind of crosses over a little bit with news, but there, there is a scene that we'll speak about when we're going through the news, and I don't know. I, I, I want to not trust him. I want him to be either working with the chain or in some way under the thumb of, if not necessarily a traitor, then maybe he's being coerced in some way. Um, but I get that he's the CNC and I get that Discovery is obviously the namesake of the show and everything but my god the CNC of Starfleet is spending an awful lot of time talking to this one crew and this one ship but then on the flip side of that that is just the way Discovery's written it's it's the most important ship in the galaxy and all of the previous shows they always you know they alluded to the fact that they were the best crew in the quadrant but that didn't necessarily make it true yeah, you know? it didn't mean the lit- the universe literally revolved around them, as it seems to with Discovery. Yeah, look, um, the closest is when Cisco I... became a god. Yeah, right, yeah, fair enough. But, yeah, fair like, enough. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I, I would have been happy if Discovery's... I was kind of expecting the burn to be tied into Discovery's time travel to the future. So at some point along the way, that triggered the burn or somehow. That would have been... I don't know. If you've got to tie it up in some way, cool. The the Saru um, Kelpian stuff just just seems. If you're going to put clues throughout, why not put more clues that give you a chance of guessing it? Like it literally could have been absolutely anything, and that's just as likely as it being a crying Kelpian on a weird Dilithium planet. Yeah, there's a there's a, that moment in Terra Firma Part One, I think it was, where they receive the message from the Kelpians, the the distress call that's a hundred years old, and Tilly points out that the uh, Kelpian captain, I don't remember her name, uh, she had like radiation burns on her skin, and in this episode in Sukal, uh, Saru says that that wasn't radiation burns, that was a sign that she was pregnant. And I, I really wondered, what was the point of withholding that? Why did he hide that? 
And, and even, like, storytelling-wise, that wasn't, like, a bomb the writers dropped on us this episode. Oh, my God, she was pregnant? Now, like, okay, she was pregnant, you know? I didn't know Kelpians lived that long, you know, so why would that matter to me? You know, when, when they revealed that she was pregnant, my, my first thought was, well, then it must be, like, a generation thing. Um, not that, like, there would just be, like, a single survivor. Um, so, so, again, it's just, like, this, like, mystery hoarding, this, like, mystery box yeah. storytelling that's, like, left over from, you know, the lost era of TV. Do you know when what? none of it gets resolved. Don't that do is such so <laughs> a great point. I was, I was speaking to somebody not four hours ago, and that was their issue. It was like, you know, we're not watching Lost, so stop writing Lost. Yeah. And maybe that is potentially too harsh, but... I can see where that argument comes from. Well, before we decide if it's too harsh, let's see the resolution. Because yeah, it that's fair. failed in its resolution, didn't it? Oh, it did. But it's okay, because we have to go back to the discovery. Uh, anyway, um, but I don't know. Now, I, I made this point on the ups and downs, so I'm, I'm parroting myself here, but writing Burnham to be criticising Saru getting emotional it's just if if you wanted to make the point of Saru getting emotional have Culber say it have Tilly say doesn't, it doesn't this seem a bit rich really Burnham you're the one that's saying he can't be objective really yeah no point did Saru turn around and go really <laughs> really now this is rich we're in the middle of a mission but we will talk about this when we get yeah. home thank you number one but you know oh, that right. <laughs> That exchange that she had with Book at the beginning of the episode where she, you know, expresses her concerns about Saru's objectivity, like, I, I thought to myself, man, like, that's like the competent, serious, concerned Burnham that should have been with us the entire season, yeah. if not the entire series, and if it weren't for the scattered way she's been written this season, where I can't tell whether she's gonna mutiny or, you know, toe the line or what you know, from episode to episode, it's, it's, it's almost like, it's almost like these episodes were written in isolation already. Like, I know that that's like, like, this is like pre-pandemic writing here, but it's almost like these guys weren't really talking to each other, you know, and finding like coherent through lines between episodes. I know that that's very harsh. That's very harsh. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I think uh, that definitely yeah. applies to Burnham. I think, I think everyone else has had a pretty clear arc of where they go, whether you agree with the Tilly stuff or not. She's had an arc and it's followed. Burnham's, it's almost like her episodes are being shot out of order. Like you said, they're being written completely out of order. I don't know whether she's going to completely commit herself to Starfleet or jump out of an airlock and do something ridiculous with Book. It always feels like in series one and series two, they wanted to make Burnham captain. And now they kind of said, no, 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 we don't want to do that. And now they've gone back to wanting to do it. It's like, just make her captain. Make her captain of Discovery. Just do it. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. 
What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Yeah, it's such a shame because, you know, for uh, for a lot of reasons that have nothing to do with the character, she's disliked by a, a good chunk of the fan base, and she's kind of a target for, you know, hateful comments on the internet. And she is like a badass character who I, I love, but I think that that's like almost entirely due to Sonequa Martin-Green's performance and not the actual character. Like, she's... she's bringing something interesting out of completely schizophrenic writing that's so unfair to this character you know the 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 i the, the the basic premise of discovery being you know centered on a non-captain officer with kind of a troubled past still holds up as an interesting one but they've been so unfair to this character the way they write her I, it's frustrating as hell it yeah is. it's almost like they in the next episode they've forgotten anything that happened to her in the previous episode. And Do you know what I think brilliant. back to? I yeah, just to, to agree with you, Ian. There, what I think back to is it's. I think it's episode three of the season. It's when Burnham and Discovery meet in the thirty-second century, and I thought in that episode, Sonica Martin Green is potentially the best she has been. Like when she's given the right material, she is amazing, and then she is hampered with poor material. Um, and I'm not talking about the scenes in the Mirror Universe because that was camp and hammy and that was the point, you know, that's fine. But then, yeah. I think we were all, a few weeks back, we were all like, this is it. This is the episode where she leaves Starfleet because it's been led this way. This is where it's... Nope, they've just the hit the reset button. Yeah. You know, and, and yet it would have made sense in that context. So, Paul, I completely agree with you. I think... It's it's sometimes it's difficult because there's so much hate and ire directed yeah. at Burnham for reasons that have nothing to do with the show or the writing, and you know to those people I say nothing, get over it. But when it comes to the actual writing, I feel like there is a lack of consistency, and it's a, sorry just to repeat what you said. It is frustrating because. We are here with the best will ever. We want to love yeah, this. I want to you love know? this so much. Yeah. No, I totally, totally agree. And I, I was frustrated by the mutineer stuff in season one, but for the rest of that series and all of season two, I thought, brilliant. This is this is the burn in my one, and it has just been so backwards and forwards this season. I still don't know how I feel. I'm just, I'm hoping that this is her getting her stuff together and she's picked a lane and she's going to stick to it and I get things traumatic things happen which change the course of your life but 
Jesus, it's happening every single episode at the minute, and it's it's just at the drop of a hat. She seems to change her allegiance. Yeah, and it starts to make her look unprofessional, and that's like not a great characteristic in this universe. Like professional, you know, behavior, competence. Not that I, I'm not saying that she's not competent because she's extremely complicated or competent sometimes to a fault, right? Like sometimes she's too competent, and it's like, oh, she knows how to do that too. But uh, which. Oh, man, I don't want to sound... <laughs> you know, I don't want to get into that. Because I, I really love Michael Burnham. But, uh, uh, you know, in this universe, like, Starfleet, you know, has, like... A, you, you expect a certain uh, behavioral set from characters. And the way Michael is being written, it's it's altering that in a way that, you know, made us question whether or not she belonged in Starfleet. And, you know, Sean... I, I didn't even think about it until you brought it up, which was maybe she'll leave. Maybe she'll go off and do her own thing, which would be totally interesting. And would be absolutely you know? fine because that's the lane that you've picked. So run with it. There's nothing wrong with that. Not everyone is, not everyone has to be in Starfleet in the future. But that's not what they've done with her. They've now put her back to the Academy, basically. <sighs> Though, I mean, like... You know, season three was like a blank slate, and we all came in with, like, such high hopes and with open minds about where they were going to take the show, and I think they've kind of fallen into the same bad habits they, you know, demonstrated throughout the first two seasons, which is unfortunate. Um, I I guess that's all I have to say (laughs) about that. It feels like we want to love it, but they're not giving us the reason to. I feel like maybe with yeah. this season, this season more so than seasons one and two, I feel that the serialized story has hampered the writing um, because I feel again we know how I feel about the burn, but other things like that, mysteries that don't last that long are being dragged out longer, and I feel like maybe there's a pressure that they have to, that a story that could take maybe one or two episodes, such as Giorgio's story over Terra Firma, that was a two-episode solid story that didn't need to be any longer. You know, I, I potentially this thing with the Emerald Chain could have been longer or shorter. We'll have to see where it goes. Um, we know how I feel about the burn. <laughs> but I, I've, I'm, not, I'm not writing it off. There's still two episodes to go. There is an awful lot they need to do for this to be the best season. I'm with you, Paul. So far, season two is the best season for me. What do you think, Ian? I up until up until the Mirror Universe stuff, which I like as a standalone thing, but it didn't feel right where they put it in the series. This was my strongest season. I was absolutely loving it, putting Burnham to kind of one side a little bit. Um, but after the last kind of three episodes, it is it's season two for me as well. That is definitely it. Knew its story. It knew exactly where it was going, and it knew the clues that it was going to put in place. Um, yeah, no, I think that's probably going to be the consensus all round. Was there anything you liked about the episode, Sean? Yeah, I was. I was just about to kind of chime in there with a little bit of <laughs> because um, my first reaction, my initial reaction, uh, and I, I guess I still hold like hold this opinion which was that uh the episode surprised me i i didn't really know what to expect it it kind of like 
it, it was kind of like a standard discovery plot of, you know, going to a spooky, mysterious location and then discovering that it, like, hits close to home, right? But, like, aesthetically, it was really pleasing. Um, I did not expect them to go to, like, a haunted castle and, like, have to, like, you know, uh, like, chase a monster. Um, I, I really appreciated that kind of, like, different new flavor uh, in the episode. And, of course, um, I liked all the, like, kind of, like, nostalgic-feeling holograms, the Starfleet officer with the kind of Discovery TNG hybrid uniform. It was a bit weird, wasn't it? Yeah. (laughs) But I like that kind of stuff. And, like, Season 3 has actually been, like, an opportunity to not just explore the 32nd century, but kind of look back at, you know... um, earlier futuristic uh, eras of the universe. Like, it's kind of filling in some cool gaps, and I appreciated that those little nods there. Yeah, no, I I mean, th- things that I like, well, easy, like, things that I like, um, Doug Jones! It's lovely to see Doug Jones for the As first time in day. history. Um, yeah. But, also, the three of them on the planet were, were excellent. Um, I really enjoyed Burnham being hollow Burnham. Uh, I thought she was great <laughs> as that. When she had to reset herself. That yeah, was that was lovely. very, yeah. very good. Um, <laughs> I, I thought to myself, Michael Burnham is a great actress. Yes! It's not just Sinequa, <laughs> but like also Michael. Yeah, That's brilliant. Actress, so. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, just, maybe she missed a calling. Maybe she should have got into the arts. Um, it explains a lot. That's true. They, also, could we just, even, uh, just uh, as almost a final point in the episode, how good did this episode look stunning uh, I mean they've nailed the visuals they have nailed in every single episode um, I love that we got uh, some more glory shots of the Discovery A um, like some really 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 good looks looks at it um, the Ghost of Christmas Future looked brilliant just looked awesome um, yeah Haunted Castle sums it up doesn't it that's not something I was expecting to see but yeah, visually, they just they haven't dropped the ball at all. You know, you know what else was great about the episode was the the climax. I'm a sucker for a ship gets yes. taken over yep. episode. A good hijacking, love <laughs> it. Um, um, which is like definitely going to be a big you know uh, element of the next episode. Like, it looks like the next episode is going to be entirely about retaking the ship in like the same you know sort of vein as um what's the enterprise episode the the second season premiere where they have to retake enterprise from the sulaban oh that's shockwave part two that's the one i always do this but and retaking Um, a deep space nine as well those episodes are brilliant always great yeah so i actually think that that takes us to news For over two centuries, you're listening to the Federation News Network. So news, uh, Sean, do you have any news you want to share with us about the Star Trek universe? Well, I definitely do for the upcoming episode, right? So obviously CBS has released uh, the pictures from the upcoming episode, and they've released a scene from the upcoming episode, but actually skipping over all of that for a second, the trailer has a blink-and-you'll-miss-it shot of Kenneth Mitchell is back. Yay! And I'm really, really happy about that, so... People would be forgiven for not recognizing Kenneth Mitchell in the trailer because he's got a beard and he's a human in the episode next week. And we ain't not seen Kenneth Mitchell look like that before on screen. Um, 
So we uh, try now. Here's the thing. Do I remember the characters' names? Uh, Tenebric, who I believe is the son of um, Laurel and Ash Tyler. Yeah. There is Col and Col Shah. Go on, the Shawnee. Oh, it's Tenebric, though. It was what? Did I get it wrong? Oh no. <laughs> yeah, it was Tenebric. Oh, fell at the first hurdle. All oh, right. Leaving that in. Uh, <laughs> I only correct you because um, over season one, like I had, I had my difficulties with season one, but I thought that Cole and Kenneth Mitchell's performance as Cole was one of the best elements yep. in that season, or at least the first half, because yeah. obviously he had the, he uh, he died unfortunately in the middle of the season. But I loved Cole. I loved how much he seemed to enjoy being bad. I love that in a villain, and like he was just great. And Colshaw had kind of like a similar, like just like totally embracing his dickishness as a Klingon. <laughs> really loved it. So I'm very, I'm very excited to see um, what kind of uh, what kind of performance Kenneth Mitchell puts into uh, next week's episode. Agreed as well. And he seems to be now. Obviously, it, it, there, it's a non-speaking uh, part so far that as in in the trailer, but he seems to be talking to Osira. So I don't know if he's gone back to his villainous roots now in Star Trek Discovery because also uh, obviously Tenevik was not a villain um, unless he was completely made up that whole thing about the time crystal which he might have possible just yeah. you know for, for giggles yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, and also of course um, it bears uh, bears note that the character is uh, in a wheelchair because of course Kenneth Mitchell uh, is suffering from ALS but uh, I, I, I don't know if either of you saw pictures from I believe it was the most recent Star Trek cruise and yeah it's awesome it was so good there's a, there's a scene where I think the DJ is playing the Discovery theme and he's crowd surfing across the dance floor and it just <laughs> looks like it was just the most fun ever yeah he's he's heading up into like Jeffrey Coombs level of fandom love with the, the different characters that he's taking on um yeah, put him in more, absolutely. Yes, please. Yeah. In fact, oh, if you had to cast... No, no, sorry. Anyway, this, that doesn't matter. I went, I went to do a head cannon there. I was like, let's just make a show of him and Jeffrey Combs together. And it's just them <laughs> yes. having adventures. Playing all the characters. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so that would be my big thing that I'm excited for for next week. But um, did, you, did you both get a chance to have a look at the uh, teaser scene that has been released? Yes, yeah. And what did you so think? That's what you asked. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think Paul summed it up earlier. It is. It looks like the bulk of the episode will be standard retake the ship, starship mine kind of thing. And I'm actually, I'm really happy. I'm really here for that because every single every single episode is an emotional beating, and I don't think I can take much more. Like it's such a roller coaster you almost want a mindless action episode where you can just go yay phases woo <laughs> you know what i'd like to see out of the episode is a <laughs> we've had bottle episodes we've had a ton of time to explore discovery but you really get a sense of uh, the layout of the ship or you know exactly how big the ship is um and so you know, if they're going to do a Starship Mine kind of episode, um, I would love to see, you know, maybe some unseen areas of the ship, like, 
engineering proper or you know the bowels of the ship uh so yeah i think there's an opportunity there to 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 explore discovery and have like a fun action adventure you know type episode while doing that yeah love me some starship geography that's my one of my favorite things that's it's almost the downside of having a massive massive budget is they can go anywhere to any planet that they want but when you're on a tighter budget like tng was famous for it just we're going to have to reuse this bit of corridor quite a lot um, because that's that's where yeah. the episode's going to be this week, guys. Yeah, I still don't have like a great sense of discovery. And Ian, you mentioned um, that Sukal had some great beauty shots of the Eurefit discovery, and I think that they've been kind of intentionally withholding. You know, like when they first introduced the Refit, they gave us like two shots, and that was. That was it. There were no like real beauty, you know. You there was know, no flying champagne bottle going through space and smashing <laughs> off of a cell. <laughs> yeah, so I think this is the opportunity to really, you know, give us a sense of Discovery A. Yeah, absolutely. That would be good because if you think back to say season two, and I'm just thinking visually, um, like obviously we had plenty of nice shots of Discovery, we had nice shots of Enterprise, but that entire final you know facing off against section 31 is some of the best looking trek we've had yes. in yeah. i i don't know how long and obviously thank god for cgi budgets and everything um but i mean that was amazing so potentially we're looking at something like that uh the episode if if it follows the trend of the release scene is the first scene of the episode it would seem to be starting more or less immediately at federation hq we get a nice flyby of the viridian um, you know, I'm I'm here for all that. It it, it looks like there'll be plenty of bang bang pew pew, um, which is my professional way of describing it. Um, <laughs> also, looks like Rin is going to play a big part in the episode, which is great because he should play a big part in every episode because he's deadly. Yeah, speaking of someone else that comes up to Jeffrey Coombs level, Noah. Uh, forgive me, I've forgotten his last name. Um, the actor that plays Rin, sorry. He keeps popping up as well, and he's just awesome. Yeah, he's great. And Ian, you actually mentioned before we started recording that you were <laughs> you were fairly confident that he's going to stick around because it would be totally unfair to knock off Rin because of Tilly. You want to you want to elaborate on that? Oh man, I'm going to shoot myself in the foot here. I so <laughs> we know that we know that Rin comes back, but. Um, I really hope they don't go the direction of Rin coming to save the day for Tilly, because obviously the Mary Wiseman and Noah, forgotten his last name, sorry, are married in real life. And I really don't like the connotations of the husband coming to the rescue because Tilly couldn't man the ship. So I'm hoping it just goes, I love Rin, but I'm hoping it goes any direction other than that. Yeah. So okay. So th- this new section has has done what it often does, which is evolve into specula- speculation. Yeah. Um, I I I I hate speculating, especially about things that we're gonna learn like in like just a couple of days. And I think that not to get too serious here, but speculation is part of the issue with our disappointment with the you know with Sukal in the uh the you know the uh, conclusion of the burn or at least the seeming conclusion of the burn is because we've built it up you know we keep looking for well maybe it ties into calypso or you know maybe that's the way you know Giorgio gets back to the 23rd century like we keep hunting for clues 
and then disappointing ourselves when they don't materialize the way we want them to. But having said this, <laughs> Admiral Vance, like we we did a whole podcast on is the Federation bad? Admiral Vance keeps communicating with Discovery through like holographic, you know, like communication. I don't know, um, and he keeps fritzing out, and like it's not just the usual like. This is the show telling us that it's a hologram and he's not really in the Which room. Which I hate, by like, the way. Like... I know it's a hologram. I don't need the static. Stop it. <laughs> yeah. But, like, this feels, like, deliberate. Is there something up with Admiral Vance? I'm going to stop you there because that's getting awfully close to speculation now, Paul. And that sounds I like just... speculation to me. We don't, <laughs> okay, right. we don't like that. No, I'm sorry because... No, but you, I do... I absolutely take your point there because you're right because I have been disappointed when things have not panned out the way... Certainly... I I think I'm not alone in thinking that Calypso was going to play a much larger part to season three than it actually has. Anyone remember that sentient AI? No? Okay. Um, but Vance, I think... Yeah, I, it seems to be, he seems to be headed in a very certain direction that he's either not a very good admiral, which is worrying if he's the C&C, or he really does have so many other things going on and we are only getting a glimpse, which I would be totally fine, if, by the way, if that is the thing. If we then kind of go, no, here is the bigger picture of Starfleet and the Ember Chain maybe is this fly that they're trying to swat. And yeah, they're they're important when they're in the shot. But actually we're dealing with, you know, a full, I'm just using this as an example, a full Dominion uprising over here. You know, we we really don't have the resources to commit to worrying about this and they constantly keep annoying us which is why you're only getting brusque admiral vance or actually no we're fine today admiral vance because we just scored a victory but again i don't know and it's with only two episodes to go i certainly don't think we're getting a dominion uprising put it that way <laughs> i think if if you if all of the episodes were dumped at once and you binged it you wouldn't have this problem and you wouldn't have all of this speculation mm-hmm. but if you release it week to week, we're going to speculate. That is, our brains, human brains love a puzzle. We're going to try and put the pieces together before we even know what the picture on the box looks like. We're going to have a stab at it. Um, it's rare that Discovery introduces a character that is exactly as they seem. So it would be very much against type for Vance to just be the the wise sage admiral that we're that we're seeing so there's got to be something else there whether we don't see it until season four but yeah i'm, I'm with paul on this one there's something sketchy about the dude yeah though i don't want to like totally undercut my own fan theory <laughs> um, admiral vance is probably just a stand-in for pike and that's it uh, do you think the show needs you a know, pike then i think that the character was so successful last season that it would be it would be hard to imagine the writers wouldn't acknowledge that and try to bring some of that like warmth and like uh, like that paternal figure to the crew even if we don't really need it you know that's just mine but let's just um, you know like I'm gonna do my own little mini airlock uh, cargo bay 101 and I'm just gonna like flush out like all of my fan theories <laughs> because I'm gonna be totally wrong. I'm gonna be totally wrong. But that was the news, and now it's time for real cargo bay 101. 
For over two centuries, the Federation News Network. As real as it gets, anyway. Uh, Ian, are you familiar with Cargo Bay 101? I, yeah, I've got the gist of it. I used to love the show Room 101 on TV, so this is right up my airlock. Okay, but Sean, maybe you should just tell our listeners slash viewers about it. just in case Okay, I will run through this very quickly. So if you're new to the podcast this week, what we do is we get uh, what is sometimes a rather sizable cargo bay and sometimes it's a little tiny cargo bay, uh, <laughs> but it's always Cargo Bay 101. And into Cargo Bay 101 goes something that we want gone from Star Trek history, from the Star Trek franchise. Now... Rules mean nothing in this universe, so maybe it just never comes back again or never existed to begin with, or we'll see how we feel that week. But we have tasked Ian this week with coming up, with about 10 minutes notice, I might add, with coming up with something <laughs> that should be stripped away, blasted into space. Talk to us, Ian. What have you got for us? What's going in Cargo I'm, Bay 101? I'm... I never thought that my doctoral thesis would ever come to so much use. I've got pages and pages on this. So mine's a little bit meta. It's, it's actually a debate. I want to put the two Vicks debate about whether Janeway was right or wrong into Cargo Bay 101. Um, I have had it. It's like, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? It comes around every year, or basically every month, whenever somebody does a rewatch, and I'm sick of it. Stop it. Now, does that mean that you have a very definite opinion on whether she did or not? You have decided, no, and therefore you want the question to be gone no, no, because no. X is the answer. <laughs> um, well, there is that. She is right. Um, there is there is no debate as such. There was only one right answer. So you know the you know the old thought experiment. If you've got a train coming towards a group of a group of thirty six people, and if you flick the switch then it will just run over one person if you leave it it will kill the 30 people no even if you leave it you're still a murderer like so she has a choice here she saves one person or she saves two people inaction is still action so it's not it's not even a debate she made the right choice stop talking about it on twitter <laughs> okay let's discuss paul what do you what do you think is this is this a uh, uh, thing that you think has just been done to death at this point yeah, my degree isn't going <laughs> to come in handy in this conversation. Um, because I just like the memes like of showing like Gangsta Janeway, you know? Uh, yeah, there is that. It, yeah, there's tons of memes of like, oh yeah, you think this person's evil. And then just a picture of Janeway pressing the button. We can keep the memes. Yeah, so... <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I, I honestly... I, I'm, I'm a terrible Star Trek fan to admit this... I never really questioned her decision. As never. as a child, it wasn't until I saw the discourse. Yeah, you know? as a child, neither yeah. did I. I was like, yeah, no, I want Tuvok back. Like, get, who's this chump? I don't want Tuvix. It literally. The thing is, I didn't want Neelix back, and I never do. I I still don't. So you know, that's I, fair. I, that's fair. Should we just ditch the? Oh, Sean has a shocked face. Oh, I'm not even touching this one with a barge pole. I'm hitting depressurize <laughs> now. Grab onto something. It's gone. It's gone. It's done. Are all okay. three of us, because we debated it, are all three of us now in the cargo bay as well? You'd want to hope not. And that is it. I'm hit the button. She's gone.
that is it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, Paul, where could people find you online? You can find me at Paul Sutherland on Twitter. And Ian, again, thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find you online? No, thanks for having me, guys. It's been awesome. Um, You'll find me on Twitter at Galactic underscore Dave. That is brilliant. And obviously, you could find us on Twitter at Trek Culture. Uh, you can find myself at Sean Ferrick as well. Uh, if you are watching this live uh, or watching this at all on YouTube, hopefully you will subscribe to the channel on YouTube. Please don't forget to like, share and subscribe. Guys, Happy New Year. We'll see you in 2021. And you're all awesome. Live long and prosper. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.